Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write. Because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hello, creative writers. This is Kat Caldwell. Welcome to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. We are on episode 136, and it is June 16th today, another rainy day in Virginia. Today, I have a wonderful guest with me. I have Carissa Andrews. She is the hostess of Author Revolution podcast. I highly recommend that you go and find her. Um, We are going to talk about her as a writer and her sort of switch into training authors on mindset, which I think is a very important thing. We need to have this sort of, you know, yes, realistic business-minded mindset, but also we need to not have a poverty mindset. And as a person who struggles with that, (laughs) I really enjoyed talking with Carissa about that. So I think that you're going to have a great time listening to her. And then after this interview, you might want to become a subscriber of the Author Revolution podcast. Speaking of subscribing, definitely hit the subscribe button on whatever app you are listening to this podcast. Uh, It really helps the show. It helps me get guests because I can show them how many people follow the show. It also helps in all the algorithm things. And it helps you because if you're subscribed, usually the app that you listen to will let you know when a new episode goes up. And new episodes go up pretty much every Monday. Sometimes life gets in the way, but actually pretty rarely. But, you know, you'll get a little reminder there, which will help, I guess. (laughs) And you'll be able to listen to all of the episodes. And I have quite a few really nice people coming in to talk to you. I mean, besides Carissa, we talk to RJ next week about fantasy and how his experience with playing role-playing games led him to writing this whole series, which is amazing. And C.S. Lakin comes in a couple weeks after that. And she has some really great advice and some really great courses if you are looking to hone your writing craft. So I think that you're not going to want to miss any episode this summer at all. So this is the part one of the show when I sort of let you know what's coming and I talk about my own writing. And just to remind you that in July, this part of the show will not be happening. So the the episodes then will be either interviews or me, and there won't be a first part because I will be in Spain with my kids. My husband's family lives over there, and so I take them every summer, and it's just a lot to lug everything over to Spain, especially the way that travel is these days. If you don't travel and you don't follow the news about traveling, let me let me <laughs> let you in on flights being canceled and luggage, you know, not making it and luggage fees rising and, you know, all these things. So I don't want to lose my microphone and, you know, setting it up in my 
my mother-in-law's little apartment, you know, is, is difficult. It's difficult to find a place where there isn't a lot of noise and all that. So you will get a sort of pre-recorded first part for the month of July. And I guess we'll all survive, right? <laughs> so we'll, I'll give you a rundown of how Spain was, how my travels are, you know, what, what my plans are for the fall when I get back. So right now I am, I am 73,000 words into this next book. So I, I am also at the same time of doing the book, I've decided to get officially certified as a book coach and I chose to do it through Author Accelerator. I think if you have ever thought about being a book coach as a business or you really want sort of a, an in-depth way to look at story structure and how to give advice back to people. It's much cheaper than an MFA, just letting you know. <laughs> and I think the program's really, really good. Jenny Nash is the one who set it up. She's good friends with Lisa Crone, who you all know that I, I love her books. And I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of put this together the two of them. I don't know that, but the blueprint is very good. The The whole course is very good and the people in there are really nice. And I'm excited. I'm excited to get, to dive a little bit deeper into the craft. I'm excited to get the vocabulary, you know, correct on giving feedback to people in their books. A lot of times when you're reading books or manuscripts really, because it's, you know, it's before they're published, you know that things aren't working and you could sort of go through and painfully, you know, line by line or paragraph by paragraph sort of um, show them different things. But it would be a lot easier to be able to teach them things like dialogue or show don't tell or the emotional resonance of characters and things like that and give them, teach them the overall idea about it and then sort of give the book back and have them work on it instead of, you know, going paragraph by paragraph, because that's not very realistic, you know, and it's not also very realistic to just tell them, well, this isn't working, you know, because that's not what people want. That's not helpful. So I'm looking to become a little more helpful and it is helping me look at my own writing, which I think is fabulous. And so as I get through this book, oh, I said all that to say part of the blueprint is to brainstorm book titles pretty much from the beginning. And I get the concept of that, but um, I just can't come up with a book title. I'm really bad at titles and I, I just can't come up with something yet. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to take some time to like peruse the bookstore next week or something and try to come up with a title. So I do know that the key scenes of the book are there at 73,000 words. We're, you know, we're coming up to the last 15,000 of the book. Of course, this is the very roughest of rough drafts. So, you know, things will get deleted and things will get moved around. Um, but I still have to write the climax and I still have to really nail the ending. So I think that will give me another 8,000. And then what is missing so far in this book, and I know it is, are some transitions from scene to scene. So I decided to really clunk out the key scenes of what I really wanted to have happen because I kept getting all these ideas of what I wanted to have happen. And I, I would write them down, yes, but they weren't really 
getting, <laughs> like, they were on my list of, you know, what to write, and yet it, it just was, didn't seem to be getting there. And so I skipped the transitions altogether because I just seemed to get into, like, this hole of, you know, digging this hole deeper and deeper of, things happening and not getting to the to the scenes that needed to be written and so I went just straight away to the scenes and so I got those written and so I do know that there are certain transitions that I'm missing and I know that the girlfriend needs to be broadened a bit and the friend needs to be broadened a bit and quite possibly the mother as well so I've really really focused on the main character who I've decided to name Tristan and so I do know that the other characters need to be pulled out a little bit more. Um, and I have to ride that line with the girlfriend of likable, but not likable enough that they want her to stick around. <laughs> and why? Because there's a sequel to this book and I need people to not care that he's going to move on to meeting Scarlet. I love that name, Scarlet. So the second book is actually quite a lot plotted out. To, um, that is the book that I started last year, last summer and was working on. And that's when I decided that Tristan, who, who formerly known as Tread, needed his own story. And so that's kind of why I already have Scarlet's um, novel or story sort of already plotted out. And I, I'm really looking forward to getting to her story. I, I like her story a lot and I like how they're going to get together. So I need this, this girlfriend, this current girlfriend to be likable enough that, you know, people don't groan when she comes onto the page, but that they're sort of like, yeah, yeah, she's not, she's, she's not right for you, Tristan. <laughs> like, just wait, you're going to meet Scarlett. So, you know, this, is this is kind of a fine line because it's, it's easy to write people as almost caricatures of, of, of the worst part of them when you kind of need to get rid of them. So I'm, I'm trying not to do that. But, you know, we are almost there. I was hoping to get it done before we leave for Spain. I think that I, I can get the, the chunks, all the chunks done up in, you know, the climax, the, le the last scene. And so all those sort of all, everything filled in and, and have a good idea of how many words it's going to be. And then my plan is to leave it alone for an entire month. And this will be new for me and it will be hard for me, I think, <laughs> but I am going to completely leave it here. I am not going to allow it to be on my laptop and it's going to stay here and it's going to ferment. <laughs> and my, the idea is that my brain forgets about it. And so when I open it again in August, I will have fresher eyes. Um, I will also have gone through more of the author accelerator coaching course in, um, for the fiction coaching. And I will have spent more time reading a couple books that I have coming in, reading a few books on short storytelling writing. And so I really think that I'll have sort of different eyes and fresher eyes, and I'll be able to dive into the book and really, you know, really hone in on certain characters, really focus on them. My plan is to take one character and go through every scene that they're in and really focus on their reactions, 
and what they add to the book and then go, you know, sort of through the overall book, all that stuff. At that point, the year will be halfway over. My other plan for Spain while I'm there is to research my historical fiction, which I'm also very excited to start writing. So it's going to be this weird balance of trying not to write a whole lot. Um, but I do need to do a little more research in Spain. I, it is not the historical novel in the sense that I need, you know, it, it's going to be playing off of all the events that are happening in Spain. In fact, during those years, there is a sort of mini civil war in Spain, and I won't be talking too much about that. Because really what my focus is on at this point is the relationship between the characters. And so I'll have to be doing a little bit of research, though, because I don't want to for it to come off as like ignorant or too fantastical. So uh, I will be doing that. If you want to follow my sort of journey in Spain, I will be putting up pictures at my author Instagram at catcaldwell.author. I'll be putting up stories and pictures. I, I love the area that my husband's family is from. It's he's from Castilla Leon, from a town called Valladolid. Um, and so she, Carmen, the main character, is going to be from Zamora, which is a beautiful, beautiful little town in Castilla Leon. And so I really hope to catch a bus and get out there at least for one day and take a lot of pictures and go through the museums and remind myself of stuff and hopefully talk to a wine vendor. So that should be fun. Ooh, as the thunder rolls in, maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's the, this guy's thundering at me for, for wanting to go drink wine. Um, so those are my plans. I told you I, I picked up a few short story um, books, books on short story writing I'm going to be looking over those. It it dawned on me the other day, I was in a new writing group, meeting people and talking to them. And it dawned on me that very few of us write short stories. So I want to encourage you this summer to write at least one short story. It will really help you hone the craft because the short story is about one slice of time, like one thing happening and the protagonist's reaction to it, right? Um, there are lots of ways in which you can do it. In fact, one of the most fun ways to write a short story is to get online, read a couple short stories, find one that you like, and then just try to copy the form of it, right? So I read a short story the other day where it, it was 15 numbers, so one to 15, and then just like 15 beats of the theme. So you pick a theme, summer, and you go through and you sort of remember the, the main thing that happened in your summer. You could even go from like, you know, this number one is the summer when you were 12 and you, you know, got to fly to your grandma's for the first time. I don't know. <laughs> so, and then go maybe every year from there or maybe 15 things that have happened this summer. You know, like my daughter choking on her chicken. <laughs> like that's one thing right there. You know, finding these, this, this structure, this form of a short story and just trying to, to copy it. And it's just you learning. It's just you um, seeing what that writer is doing. If it's published more, more likely than not, they're a little bit ahead of you on the short story writing, right? So you can learn from them. But I just, I encourage you to write a short story. It's, 
it's different than a blog post. It's different than a chapter in a novel. A short story is one thing has happened. It has impacted somebody. And then there is this like coming to terms with it or this uh, this reaction to it. Yeah. Or this, you know, a theme that has come through their life and this conclusion. You can find a lot of short stories on the internet and I, I just encourage you to try it out. We will be talking a lot about short stories in August. I'll have a couple guests on to talk specifically about short stories. And if you want to know even more of my thoughts, you can join my writer's newsletter. The link is in the show notes and you will get more information about what my thoughts are during the summer on short stories and short story writing. So all the links will be in the show notes for myself, for Carissa, for her podcast, The Author Revolution. All the links will be right in the show notes. You can also head over to pencils and lipstick all spelled out.com and you can find all the episodes there plus the transcripts. The link for the transcript should also be in the show notes. If you want to sponsor or support the show, you can buy me a coffee or you can become a patron. A patron really helps us continue the podcast. Christy and I, my editor, um, this takes a little bit of time, although we love it, but it definitely makes sure that we are caffeinated and we are ready to go with the podcast. And so if you want to make sure that Pencils and Lipstick keeps going, become a patron or just support us by buying us a coffee and we'd super appreciate it. There are a couple little gifts that you get if you become a patron monthly or a buy me a coffee monthly. You get discounts on my courses. It's a place to find my courses as well. You get a couple different blog posts and things that are up there. And it's a nice place to put up what your book is about. And I will talk about your book on the show. This week, I want to highlight Madison Michael. You can find her at madisonmichael.net. She is a steamy romance author. I talked to her a couple weeks ago about her writing, but she has come out with the full set of her romance books. I want you to check them out. The links will be in the show notes. If you like romance, if you like steamy romance, you are going to love Madison Michael. Now, with all that said, let's get into the interview with Carissa. Carissa Andrews is shaking up the self-publishing industry as the founder of Author Revolution, an online academy dedicated to helping indie authors break their poverty mindset and manifest their millionaire author destiny. As the award-winning and international best-selling author of more than 20 books and the host of the acclaimed Author Revolution podcast, she knows how to shift her students' beliefs so they can achieve the massive success they've been craving. Since its creation in 2019, her company has taught thousands of students how to supercharge their author careers by leveraging specific mindset and manifestation techniques, as well as providing step-by-step strategies for writing and publishing their books faster. Carissa is a proponent of the law of attraction and practical manifestation, which she infuses into everything she teaches. Her highly anticipated millionaire author manifestation course comes out later this year, 2022, and will revolutionize the way authors actualize their careers. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Pencils and Lipstick. I am super excited to talk to Carissa Andrews because I have listened to her podcast for, I don't know, a while. <laughs> it's just, I don't want to age myself. Hey Carissa, how are you doing? <laughs> Hello, I'm so glad to be here, Kat. <laughs> like, I might, I might be putting my age out there if I say that. Anyway, that's all right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so for anyone, I don't know who it would be who doesn't know you, would you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? And I don't know, something about you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my name is Carissa Andrews, obviously. <laughs> I write a combination of sci-fi, paranormal fantasy, and I guess urban fantasy. Mm. But I also do a lot of nonfiction work. So I have um, one nonfiction title that's out, one that's in the works. And then I Whoa. do a bunch of courses and coaching and a podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're so you're busier than me. OK. And you have kids. Right. And, oh, my gosh. It's we crazy could... with the kids house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could just keep adding ants on there. So how let's let's first of all get into like writing. Why did you start writing and why did you want to write books? <laughs> I first, the short answer to that, I first got into writing because my best friend told me to. Oh. <laughs> well, good for her, for him. <laughs> yes. I, I'm so glad that she did. Um, you know, like most kids, when you're younger, you, you like the angsty poetry and you mm -hmm. write a lot of stuff. And so I actually did write my first novel um, when I was 14 years old. I gave it to my teacher, my English teacher at the time, because I loved her and she was great and uh, blessed the woman because she actually read the whole thing and like, said it was good and, and encouraged me to continue wow. to do what I was good doing. Teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I kind of let it go by the wayside through my high school career. And then obviously going into college, I, I, I have a background in ancient art history and literature. So it's an interdisciplinary studies degree rather than writing. Um, I was going to be an archaeologist. I swore to God, I was going to be an archaeologist. My dad was like, you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and it all came in useful because I use it in all of my books, but I ended up going to back to school when my son was I guess he must have been a year and a half old oh and God. went to, to school for graphic design. Wow. So my mom's an artist. I've been surrounded by art my whole life, you know, writers and artists alike. And so it was kind of natural for me to kind of just go into what felt right. My dad was a tech person. So he was working for IBM when I was a kid. So like we've always been around technology. And so it kind of felt like a blending of like my dad and my mom mm -hmm. in a sense. But I hated the corporate realm of it. I hated it. And so that's where my best friend came in. I was in a lunch date with her and I'm like, Sherry, oh my gosh, I hate this. I hate it so much. What do I do? And she was just like, oh, you're just, why don't you do that writing thing you like to do? Why don't you start a blog? And so I started a blog. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I was like, I feel like I want to write a book. Well, you should write a book. And here's an idea. And she wanted me to write a, some sort of romance story about a ghost uh, falling in love with a woman. And <laughs> I kind of tinkered around with it. And literally like a week later, I, I got the idea for Pendamus. It like landed in my head. Like it was a download. Nice. <laughs> and, and I never looked back and Sherry's still probably wondering where that ghost romance story is. <laughs> yeah, she's like, by the way, you owe me right. a story. Oh my goodness. So at what point did you quit working? Oh gosh. Um, let's see. I, I have been working from home since 2014. I was pregnant with my youngest son. So he's now seven and a half, which is craziness. I, I did a lot of freelance in the beginning okay. though. So I don't know if it's considered completely quitting. It was more kind of everything worked from home and I was still doing writing and graphic design wow. as a freelance package. 
but it evolved into Author Revolution, I would say probably right around 2017, 2018. Okay. Is when I started getting the inklings of teaching others about indie authorship and what I was learning, which is kind of funny because I was coming out with my second and third books in 2017 because I had written Pendamus. That was the first book that one that landed in my head way back in 2010, actually. And it didn't publish until 2013 because I went through a divorce. I went through a remarriage, then had, you know, moved houses, had the kid. There was a lot of craziness that, and upheaval in the right. life at the time. And so it was kind of like 2017. I'd been learning that entire time. I'd, I'd gone through the emotions of understanding how the industry had been changing, um, keeping up with like this idea of keywords, what the heck is this and promos and promo stack it. Like I was trying to figure it all out just from the outside. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and it, it was kind of me showing other authors how they were doing stuff. And eventually it was, there was a precipice where I'm like, no, okay, I'm done. I got to like do my own writing <laughs> and do my own books. So 2017 happened and I, I started rapid releasing at the end of that year and haven't looked back. Awesome. So that whole time you were writing, you must've been yeah. writing the whole time and like, oh yeah, I was still writing. Um, it, it was kind of funny though. I was looking at trying to create online courses at the time. So I was following like Amy Porterfield, mm-hmm. like even in 2015, mm-hmm when she was first transitioning from, I think she was like the Facebook guru to becoming the digital course guru. I was following her at the time and I was looking at doing courses, online courses, and I was still teaching more in person at the time. Okay. Um, Like uh, the writer's club here in town or the library and things like that. And it kind of just expanded outward from there. Nice. You were were ahead of COVID then. You knew that you were going to go online. (laughs) Thankfully, yes. (laughs) That's cool. So what was this idea... So I'll have to say, like, I came out with mine in 2017. So you're like, you know, seven years ahead of me where you, you, you knew right away that you wanted to do indie publishing. Ew, that's a tough one. I would say no, okay. actually. Like when I first started, I was really fascinated by it. And I was like, this is really cool, but it was 2010. And yeah. so there was still that kind of stigma at the time where people were like, why would you self-publish, you know, Ugh you should be going to these bigger conferences and trying to get, you know, an an agent and whatever. And I did actually, as the, the only science fiction author go to Moonlight and Magnolias down in Georgia in 2011, (laughs) because my, my critique group was all romance authors. And I was the only sci-fi nerd going to this, this um, romance conference, which was funny, but it was in talking with them, my, my critique group where they were so adamant about how, the indie author industry was going to shift. And I actually come from a long line of understanding the print industry. So even before I started writing, I was, my first jobs were in a bookstore. I mean, I worked for the local bookstore here in town. I ended up working for Walden Books in Duluth, Minnesota, which is a much larger town than I grew up in. I ended up going and working for publishers, for printers. And so it's like I've tap danced Mm -hmm. around the entire publishing industry since I was probably about 14 years old. Oh, wow. And so it's, it, it kind of just, once it clicked, once I thought, you know what, I could probably do this. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm a tech person. I could, I could learn this thing, you know, but before Marie Forleo and her saying, everything's figure outable, right? You know, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of just bit the bullet and, and started doing it. And I fell in love with the process yeah. to the point where it was like, I just, I couldn't see myself ever trying to go back. Right. Okay. That's cool. So, I mean, that's still early. That's like eBooks are there, but it's the Moby format. And like, I'm not even sure if print on demand was really a thing. You still had to like order a bunch of books. Right. And then it was 
was still there. Yeah, it was Create Space back in the day. Oh, that's right. It was Create And it wasn't like the best. It, it was kind of it was wonky. You could get your Yeah, it was wonky. <laughs> it was weird. It was a weird process and it got better. Um, but we didn't have like pre-order options the, at first. And then we finally had like three months, but everyone else, you know, like the traditionally published authors had a year and we're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of weird, weird things that we kind of had to tinker around with or tap dance around. We didn't have Amazon ads at first and That's Facebook right. ads were just a pain in the butt. And so there was a lot of really trying to figure out how this is going to work. And I think that's when Insta freebie came about now prolific works. Right. So it's like, there's, there's so many different things where, where authors were really trying to figure out how do they get the word out about their books? Back yeah. Then. Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest problem. And it, it's like getting, cause they all had all the traditional publishers had still did like press releases and word of mouth and they could get into the bookstore. And I remember going to a bookstore with my way, way, way back. And they were like, we don't understand this barcode, you know, because it was just, it was like 2004 yeah. at the time. You know? <laughs> it was like, oh, sure. They have no idea what's going on. You don't, your, yeah. your Google was not that great. My kids don't believe me that Google was not that great. <laughs> right? <laughs> you didn't have, you know, the formatting, like getting your formatted, your book formatted was like mind boggling. Oh, it, it has evolved so much since the beginning. I am oh, so nice. glad and grateful for whoever um, created vellum. I, I don't know the, the name of the individual, but I'm so glad that those developers oh, do yes. that. Vellum revolutionized everything. I mean, Scrivener was a step up too. Don't get me wrong, but it was, it's still a wonky process to try to use Scrivener to, to format your books, but yes. vellum has, has been great. And then Atticus now is taking another step further. So it's, That's it's true. been fun. Yes. It is fun to see those people who know how to do that stuff. Cause yes, <laughs> if you yes. relied on me, we would all still be way in the you know, on parchment <laughs> paper. They'll be writing in our stone tablets. Yes. You know? <laughs> Here's my book. <laughs> so how did you, uh, how did it go with, um, you, you get a download on your first book. Did that happen with your second and third oh. book? How, how was that process? No, I would say that the second and third books. So those were the, the next two books in that same series. The, I, it was so weird because the first book, I totally pantsed it. I was a pantser completely. And I thought, no, this is the greatest way to do it. And then you spend three years when you're, you know, moving houses and divorcing and you've got upheaval and you're trying to remember what in the heck did you actually write or what were you trying to write? And it's like, I can't pants this thing. I, I need a, a format or something because I have no clue what I'm doing. So the next two books I did skeletal outlines okay. for, and that helped um, just because I did. So like myself, I actually did understand where I wanted to go with the books. Mm. So it was easier to create then the, the outline or at least a loose outline for the two books. And they came out pretty quickly. I mean, I was able to write them almost as easily as the first book. But since that that time frame, I've gotten faster at outlining and faster at almost hybrid uh, creation. Mm -hmm. So rather than pantsing, rather than plotting, it's kind of a combination of both. And I really just kind of let fly whatever needs to, to fly. But I, I understand story structure so much better than I used yeah. to. So it's, it's so much easier. Like, even if I didn't write down the outline, I understand the outline. What needs to happen. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So did you know that you were going to do a series? For the first one? Yeah. yeah. I think it was probably, it must have been like two chapters. And I'm like, mm, this is, this story is going to be bigger than one book. Interesting. I can, I can tell. Yeah. Is that because, is it because you had read series before? Like you knew the fantasy I genre? I think so. Yeah. I, I've always been a reader. I mean, for me, it, 
I mean, obviously that's why I worked in the bookstore. It was like, I'm not going to work. My dad kept trying to get me to work in the grocery store. I'm like, no, it has to be the bookstore. I need the discount, dad. <laughs> I need the discount, which never worked because I came home with less money than I ever exactly. like got paid. Which is it's like, that is painful. just dangerous. It is. It's horrible. If you're ever a, a book lover, don't work in a bookstore. It's bad. It's not, it's not a good thing. <laughs> like work in a library. <laughs> Yeah, it's working in a library. That would be much better, but much better choice. But um, yeah, so <laughs> it was an interesting time. But yeah, so you kind of knew what the what the fantasy sci fi genre, like the structure, needed to be in order to know where to stop. Like that's that's my thought when you're like a new writer. Do you think that came from just having read series and you sort of knew like the natural endings to where sci fi fantasy stops. If I'm totally honest, I would say I was a complete lost mess in that first one where I'm like, is it even right? Like, is this even a storyline? Like, how do you, I was asking all those same questions. Like, how do I know if I did this right? Like, what, what, what is the arc? Like, what is the climax of this book? What is what's yeah, happening that's, here? That's a pretty big deal to like, what's the it book is. arc? What's the series arc? Where are the characters? Can I just kill one off? <laughs> Absolutely. And I did that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was one of those things where I think every author goes through that mm-hmm. phase where you just, you have no clue if you're doing it right. And you have to just push through it anyway and hope for the best because you do get better at it. Yes. You do learn it more and you don't know what you don't know. So until you do that full cycle of writing and publishing the entire book, you don't understand the process. I mean, it's, it's like it's there abstractly. Yes. But yeah. it's not really there until it's done. And you go, oh, that's what I missed. Or, oh, that's how I could have done that better. It's so weird. But it's, it's you've got to take that first step and just leap. Yeah, it's true. And especially in the indie world, you know, if you wait around to publish your book until it's perfect, I mean, <laughs> you'll never get it. You'll be waiting forever. <laughs> so then how did you come up with rapid release? Was that a thing that was happening? Like, did was that a name of it or did you just yeah. like, come out with them right away? Or, or, oh gosh. Or let's actually tell people what is rapid release. Sure. Well, rapid releasing is literally just the process of which you're going to publish your books. So it's rapid releasing your books, meaning you're going to publish one book and between two and maybe six weeks, hypothetically, you're going to be publishing your next book. Oh, weeks. There, oh, wow. It could, yeah, it could be like one a month. It could be one every six weeks. It could be one every other month. You can actually space them out, though, to the point where you're doing one a quarter. And that's actually how I teach rapid releasing. Mm. When I started um, creating the course for rapid release roadmap, it was it was kind of one of those weird things where it was me trying to teach myself, like, what is the best method of doing this where you're not going to feel crazy doing it? Mm-hmm. Because I, I've been involved in the 20 books to 50K Facebook group, fantastic group, so inspirational but I kept feeling like I was falling behind or I wasn't doing it right. If I wasn't publishing a book a month or, you know, and when you have a lot of things, if you have a day job or if you have clients or if you have a bazillion kids running around your house, it's hard to do a book a month without going completely formulaic. And that just wasn't me. And so for, for me, I was trying to figure out how can you do this in a way that is sustainable and feels good and feels like something you can kind of repeat every single year without it being overwhelming. And so that's the way I teach rapid release where it's a book a quarter, or you write it a a book a quarter and you rapid release it, meaning a book a month, like at the end of the year. So you started in January, you'll, you'll rapid release everything at the end of the year, one a month. And then next year you'll do the same thing. 
writing in a series is definitely the best way to do that because now you've created the world once you don't have to recreate everything from the start. You know, it's not recreating the wheel and coming up with brand new characters, although you might have new characters in your series, but it, it's definitely a lot faster than with the ideation and the generation of the words and the worlds than it is if you're trying to go from scratch every single book. That is, that is the biggest point. I think that you have to realize all of the, those of us who messed up and didn't do series. <laughs> <laughs> and series are so beneficial for readers too, because I mean, if you want to tap into, let's say the Kindle unlimited market, those readers are voracious and they want a series. And so even if you're not great at rapid releasing in the beginning, or if it takes you some time to kind of get up to speed to be able to rapid release, maybe you start with a book a year and then you bump it up to two books a year and then you bump it up to three books a year. However you can do it, as long as it gets to the point where you have that series of books, now you've got this evergreen backlist mm -hmm. that you can start promoting and new readers come into it. They don't know that it took you, you know, four years to, to put out this series and they can just start from start finish and blaze right on through it. And it's, it's fantastic for them. So it's, it, a series is just really beneficial in so many ways. Absolutely. Yes. And I think mental health for the author, it's beneficial because like yes, said, that is key. It is absolutely key. <laughs> yes, it is key. <laughs> um, I, I had no idea about series and now I'm going back and building it out. But if you just think about like Marvel, how you have the side character stories, yeah. you know, you if you get bored with one thing, you can go. I'm a, a big Loki fan. So I'm like, I just want yes. to know more about Loki. I don't care about the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an anti-hero junkie? I guess is that so. what's going on here? <laughs> I, I guess I want them to win, which is terrible, right? But anyway. That's okay. I like Deadpool. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it kind of like that and just like the business model of it, right? And just not having Absolutely. to create a new world, except that you can, right? You can come up with a, what's that guy that listens to music all the time? The galaxy guardian guys. <laughs> the galaxy yeah. The guardian. guardian. guardians of the galaxy. Yes. You know, yeah. so you can go and create another world if you get bored. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the hardest part of like getting the gears up on a book is starting all new characters, all new place, all new story. It can be fun, but it's, definitely it might take a bit longer so like when when people see the 20 books to 50k sometimes I warn them like that usually means yes <laughs> like, just absolutely FYI. yep and it probably like the really successful ones are probably romance authors or they're probably mystery authors one or the yeah. other because those, those are the ones that are just blazing them out like and, and they're I think probably the ones that are best to have that formula as well when it comes to their stories, because readers don't want you to deviate too far from that. You know, they don't want to read a romance that's not a happily ever after. Right. <laughs> they don't want right. that. And, and so there are specific tropes, there are specific themes that are expected in those two genres that are are key. And so if you know what those are and you understand the overall arc and how to implement it, you can you can knock those out pretty quickly. But when it comes to, yeah, the 20 books to 50K, they can seem so daunting because they really do push that whole mentality that your next book is going to, you know, be the, the big thing that's going to push your backlist and make that go forward. The next book, you know, keep going because you, you fail faster is basically their, their idea. Hmm. Put the books out there, fail faster, move on to the next one, fail faster so that you eventually get to the series or the book that will click and, and really catapult your author's success. Hmm. That's kind of the, the idea behind right. books to 50K. 
But the problem that I found is that with high achievers, and I think many creatives are high achievers, they really take that to heart. Mm -hmm. And then they, you know, that perfectionism kicks in. And the next thing you know, they are burning out and they're going crazy because they can't keep up. And then they feel like they're the failure because they're not doing the thing that other people are saying is the best way to do it. Right. And so that's kind of like the opposite of everything that I stand for. Yeah. (laughs) That's not what I want to teach. And so that's, that's kind of where I diverged. I think originally it was me trying to figure out how to do that, that thing. Right. But it, that's where I ended up diverging and going, you know what, this isn't, this isn't sane. (laughs) This This isn't healthy for an author's mind. And you need that time to have, I I don't know, the mystery of life unfold in front of you. So you get inspired. So you, you see the world in different ways and, and have so many different new, new and unique concepts want to come through you. And you can't do that. If you're in burnout, you're you're just going through the motions. So, yeah, that sounds a little bit like you're just trying to get at, what does it take? It takes I, I'm going to mess this up, but it takes so many hours to be an expert. What does he say? I wanted to I say 10,000 hours. 10,000, yeah. right? <laughs> Something like yep. that. I think it's 10,000. So yeah. it's almost like you're just churning out words in order to really learn the structure of storytelling and get it right and, and just publish the books. And then, you know, by the 20th, you're better. And I don't know if that's that's really, but that's almost the mindset where you're like, well, it could be different. You could learn what storytelling is <laughs> and then like, Absolutely. and not you have to do faster. that. You, it doesn't have to be a struggle. Yeah. It, it a, a process that you learn and you learn it through, you know, understanding things by, by a coaches, courses, uh, podcasts, obviously, um, YouTube videos, talking to friends, going to a writer's group. There's all sorts of ways that you can up level and it doesn't have to just be the ideation part of it where, you know, I, I really think that we are, we're still social creatures and that's why we want that validation from our readers so that we know that we're doing a good job, but you can get that validation too, by, you know, talking with your spouse about the, the latest book that you're trying to write or by trying to um, go to your local writers group and do different things there because they have, some of them will have critique groups or they'll right. have you know, time for you to to talk about your challenges or the things that you're working on. I know that we do that in, in my Facebook groups as well, where we have a monthly call where we get in there and we're like, okay, so what's going on this month? What are you seeing? What's been challenging? How can we help you get better at whatever it is you're working on? And that can really, I don't know, drastically shift you without it having to be just go, 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 go. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cause I, I do think you're right. I think creatives are high achievers. And then just America in general. (laughs) Yes. yes. Although I have people from all over the world who are in my courses and it's so crazy that like it's prevalent everywhere. I'm seeing that everywhere. Which is not good. (laughs) Don't be like us guys. (laughs) No, I mean, in some ways it's good because you're getting your backlist up. And I think there is validation in that because if you look at any of the studies by written word media, you're seeing that if you want to earn a living from your writing Mm -hmm. on average, it's like 22 to 28 books in order to just hit a living like 50,000 to 60,000, uh, you know, a year. And so if you want to push the envelope and get better, you know, a hundred thousand to a million dollars a year, you probably will need to have more books in your backlist, but it's only because you're having more entry points then right. for readers to find you. So it's just all these different avenues and all these different ways to be able to market different worlds, different books, different series. And it just gives you more options. Right. Right. And it, it it's like, um, 
we just have to have that balance, right? So you don't want to spend 10 years writing one book thinking that it's going to catapult you into being a millionaire, which these days, I don't know if that still happens. It, it definitely could. Unless I mean, look at what Brandon Sanderson did with his Kickstarter. I mean, he's just, that was just very smart <laughs> the way that he did it. And, you know, I mean, he was really cool about going into Kickstarter and then like helping other people who were doing their books. But he, that was, awesome. you know, but that just goes to show he wasn't the only person trying to use Kickstarter to get their book going. Oh, yeah. But he I, was I, just really knew how to do it. He just, yeah, he did a really great job. Yeah, I, I, sh- I would love to know how. <laughs> like, I, I would assume it's, it's... He did it like an event. Yeah. He treated it right. like the epic event it was. And, and he created the mystery around it and created... I mean, we all love and crave that mystery aspect of it. And so he, right. he nailed it. Right. He did a great it job. It wasn't just like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to start a Kickstarter and everybody's yeah. going to donate, you know. Um, there's yeah. planning that goes into it. There's all that, you know. So, yeah, that is true. There, There's like some of that. But the majority of us fall into that middle of... There are some years, there's some work, but we don't want to burn out. So, yeah. um, so when you started, you, you started with rapid release 2017, when did you start with like the podcast and teaching other, like you, so you're teaching locally, but was that then the idea of, oh, I'm going to make this part. Like, I really want to share this with people outside of my locale. Was that happening in 2017 as well? Um, 2017 is where I was still, I think I was still like teaching in the libraries and I was teaching for my local writers group. 2019 is when I officially established, um, author revolution. And so I was doing it before then I had created an online course, I think January of 2018, which would have been indie publishing fundamentals. And that was just kind of helping the the indie author community understand the process Mm. of publishing from start to finish because especially in my local community, they had no idea that this was like even a thing. They were still like, you know, you have to bleed for your words and you have to like do the whole query thing. And was like, no, there's, there's other options. Let me show you how. And there were, there were people that were like, okay, I, I wish I could go back and review it. And so that's where the idea of doing a, like a digital course, actually, okay. this is going to happen. You know, I, even though I had the, the desire to do a digital course back in probably 2015, it didn't actually happen until 2018 before it it became a thing for me. And then rapid release roadmap, I think came out early 2020, but I was in the process of working on that, that course for quite a while, but because originally I had planned, let's do this where I'm showing you all the different ways to rapid release, because there are a number of ways, obviously Mm -hmm. you can do it two weeks apart. You could drop them all in one go. You could drop them, um, you know, every other month, there's all these different options and they all have different validations behind them. But it, it, the more I was looking at it, the more I'm like, no, I need to, I need to show them how to do this in a way that is going to keep and preserve their sanity and their creativity. Because, holy cow, yeah. <laughs> the more the, the more that I was talking to, the more I'm like, this is this is not working for anybody. And so, why would I teach this? I need to show them how to do it without uh, going crazy. So, what what did you do with your first rapid release? Were were you doing it kind of every six months? Like, how many books did you have come out after you had the first one, 2013, and then? 2017, how many books did you have ready to go? So when I released, I had the the next two books in the Pandemus Chronicles ready to go by the time they released. So I had written in 2016's Nano, I had written book two and then gone straight into book three in the beginning part of that 2017 year. I waited until September and October of 2017 to publish them. And even then it was so weird. The books were done and it's, I still felt like I was a completely stress laden, like 
headless chicken trying to market both of those books at the same time, because it, it literally was like, one's coming out, the next one's coming out next month. So you're marketing both saying, guys, this is, this is like happening. These two things are happening right now. But did it work out well? Like, was it, was it worth it? So oh, yeah. the idea is really because you're just for anyone who might not know. So you have the first one. So you're kind of grabbing people. If you haven't read the first one, you kind of got to start out that ramp up that marketing, right? Like you got to read the first yep. one. Cause my second one's coming. So how many months do you think you spent on just like marketing? Just getting Oh like- gosh, for, the, for that first series, I spent a lot. So that entire first year, so 2017, as I was writing um, probably revolutions at that point, I would, that's where I started teaching online. So Facebook lives became a thing in 2017. And so I was, it was so funny because I was doing these Facebook lives thinking I'm just, you know, getting my readers excited about my books and I'm teaching about how to be an author. It was so (laughs) like, I'm looking back at it going, how was I confused about this? What? But it was so funny. So I was, I was doing kind of both where I was trying to, you know, ramp up the excitement for finally the, the the next two books are coming out in this series. You won't have to wait any longer. And it won't be like, you know, three more years before book three comes out. It's literally coming out the next month. And so, yeah, it was like the entire first part of 2017 was all dedicated to getting people back into book one to read it so that they were ready for book two and three. And then I actually had my next book come out in June of the following year. So it was, even though the, you know those two books came out in September, October, June was when the next one came out. So and I was you knew that. tightening and I, it wasn't even written by that oh, point. God. Like I had no idea what, I didn't even know what the next book was going to be when Revolutions launched. <laughs> so I'm like, there's something, I have no idea. So I pulled my audience through my newsletter and they were like, this is the one that sounds the best. And so that's what I ran with. And it was done by June. And so I, every every year the books got tighter and I was able to do it faster. And 2018, I started adding in audiobooks into the mix. And so it was just like more of the, the, the whole overall um, process right. started com- coming together and concretizing. So yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. That's a lot of work. I mean, it's, a, it's a lot of, okay, you still have to think about your writing and your marketing and now I need a break and it's Christmas, but I actually have to write a book. <laughs> Yeah, there's a book that has to come out. I'm pretty sure I promised someone somewhere. I think I <laughs> oh, it's on pre-order. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and then you started a podcast at some point. When was that? I did. Um, gosh, I, I want to say it was the end of 2019. I mean, I've I just literally finished up um, episode 133. So whatever that makes that. I think I've done the a same. podcast. Yeah, yeah, I've done a podcast every week. So it's. I'm like whatever, whenever Never that was go, going go back. backwards. Yeah, that would be yeah. about 2019. That's amazing. See, yeah, the we're just we were on the same wave wave <laughs> I love it. That's funny. <laughs> so why did you then? Because uh, I know, like, and then COVID hit, right? I mean, it's oh, weird yeah. to think of it like that. Like 2019, everything's great, and you know, everything's. I was like. I've been learning all this stuff and I'm ready to tell everyone about it. And I'm ready to learn from other people about what they're doing. And then like, everyone go home, (laughs) stay in your house and don't look out the windows. Don't, you know, anyway, so it's weird to think like how quickly that happened, you know, because it feels like 2019. Now that's a whole year. No, it's like six months later. And I think I must have found you during COVID because I would go out and walk. I lived in Texas, so I was allowed to do that. You nice. know, unlike Spain. <laughs> anyway, I'd be, right? like, I'd be out there running or whatever. And I do remember you, you sort of had like that, that shift during, um, on the podcast 
um, where life, like, obviously we have, we had all these kids. It's like they multiplied and they came home yes. and they wanted to be fed <laughs> and they wanted to talk to you all the time, or you had to help them with their schoolwork. And you're like, what, what are you talking it's about? I have my own thing. I know. Like <laughs> it's one thing to do homework, but like all day school and mom, I think I have class and you know, please put that camera away. I'm in the bathroom. You know, like COVID, <laughs> right? COVID was horrible. Uh, and all the time you're trying not to go crazy. And I do think, I don't know about you, but I think at the beginning, because I didn't believe it was going to be that long, I kind of got into like some sort of content creating, like, you know, let's, I'm really into journaling. So I was like, here, I'll put out some journaling prompts and like, let's get through this together. It'll probably be more than two weeks, but who knew it would be two years. (laughs) Right. You get into that content craziness and then you're like, okay so this is life and now I need to like (laughs) write a book um and I just remember you had like this shift so could you tell us a little bit about like how how did that happen you had like this mindset shift you kind of did it on your podcast it's just great to see and I was like yay I'm not the only one (laughs) (laughs) well 2020 for me was was really weird too because like I was right in the middle of um my first solo listing. So I was trying to put out uh, a title that I was hoping would be hitting New York Times USA Today bestseller list. And while it didn't happen, it was super close. Mm. And it was just one of those weird things though, because I had so many in-person events planned to promote the the book as it came out or as the series came out because it rapid released. It came out September 15th. And then every book after that was like three and a half weeks later. And so it was like, four books had been written. And so like the entire year was like literally getting this, these four books written, ready to rock and roll come the end of the year. And in the middle of that, obviously COVID hit, my father-in-law died. And so it was the timing of that was right when I was writing Haunted Legacy. <laughs> and it was like the the weird energy of that was going on. And, and it, it played actually really well into that particular book because it was Haunted Legacy and we're dealing with death over here. So it was like, uh, Plus the whole like existential crisis of yes. like what happens with this, like what happens if someone gets it? What happens if um, people here are are getting sick? My husband has asthma. My kids were really stressed out about it mm-hmm. because their dad is like very anxious. So he he's like takes anxiety to the nth degree. And I think for them, it was kind of weird because they'd oscillate, you know, between the two households. And when they'd come back, they were just like wrapped up in a ball. And so we really had to have some in-depth conversations with them about life and death and, and explaining to them that like, you know, you can't be afraid of dying. You can't be afraid of things ending because you don't know when that'll be. And so rather than creating stories about when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, which may or may not ever come, you have to enjoy life as it is right now. And that was something that my mom taught me when, when I was much younger, um, I think it was five when we found out my brother was diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer. And so it was like my whole life, I've kind of had that embedded in me that you can't, you can't fear the end just in case, because you don't know when that is, you know, people are dying. Yes. This is a scary, um, concept. Yes. But it doesn't have to own you and you don't have to fall into it. And so I think from that, for me, I started, I guess, pivoting more towards that mindset, more towards the, how do we bring joy in our life when things are dire? Or how do we bring joy into our life anyway? Or how do we enjoy things, you know, all together? And I think I started falling into, um, it was at the time more of the, like the money mindset. So I kind of started looking at Denise Tuffield Thomas's books, 
uh, you know, the chillpreneur and get, get rich, lucky bitch. And then it was, um, Amanda Francis and her, her crazy awesomeness. I mean, she's just a neat lady. I love the way her energy is with rich as fuck and her podcast and her YouTube stuff and her courses. But from there, it was like, everything kind of kept pointing me back towards other things. So like I, I got pointed back towards Abraham Hicks and got pointed back towards Seth and started seeing more of the law of attraction aspects of things. And then I started putting things together in different ways. I'm actually a Reiki master. And so for me, energy work has been really fascinating. And I put a lot of it into my magic mm-hmm. systems, into my fantasy books. And so it was like, all of a sudden I started seeing this web of connection between law of attraction and everything that I've been doing, everything that's been happening, how the indie author community is working and the why the poverty mindset is so prevalent, why it's so prevalent in, in not just um, authors, but in artists mm-hmm. and in, you know, people in general. And so it was like, it kind of started blooming outward and I started seeing more and more of how this is all connected. And it kind of spiraled into doing more talks on law of attraction, more talks on manifestation, more talks on how to live your best life, how to aspire for more, how to reach for things that you may think are outside of your, your normal goal. And that's kind of where the millionaire author destiny, the millionaire author coach started coming from because it's, it's kind of that shock to the system where if people hear millionaire author destiny, what are you talking, what does this check on about? She's, she's on crack or she's completely cracked. I don't know. One of the two. (laughs) And the whole concept is to to make them stop in their tracks and go, who does she think she is? And the the reason for it is because we are playing too small. All of us are reaching too small. We're not, we're not reaching high enough to what we're capable of pulling into our, our realities. And so I'm also a science person. My, my brother's a physicist. So we've got a lot of quantum physics talks and things that like that, that go on in our house. So it's not just woo woo guys, but it is, it's like, so I'm seeing it from the science side. I'm seeing it from the law of attraction side. I'm seeing it from like the, the woo side. Um, and so it's, there's all these different aspects that are all kind of colliding in my brain. And it's just been a really fascinating conversation to have with authors. And there's, I've been so surprised at how many authors are interested in it. I mean, mm-hmm. we had a millionaire author challenge that went live in April and I had like 250 people in this challenge. And of those people, 15 of them wanted to to hop into me creating a full-blown course. Literally there was nothing built yet. Like I, I had just this idea. I'm like, should this thing be a thing? And 15 people paid as betas to come in and, and help me create it and help me wow. design it. And they've been just so instrumental as I'm building this thing out right now. It's just blown my mind at how interested people are and how they're reaching for feeling better and how they want to understand how to feel better. Yeah. And that writing is a, it's, it's completely a conduit for it. It's just amazing. Yes. Yes. I, I've really enjoyed listening to you as you shifted on that and in realizing that, yeah, art has always taken the hit. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I told my parents, I wanted to be a writer when I was like 10 or something, they're like, and for your real job, Yes. <laughs> what will you do? Because it's always been that idea of great, you know, write your poems or whatever, but that's not going to make you any money. And yep. I do think that part of how indie authors, we kind of got ourselves a little bit in a corner in which lots of people think that they should get our books for free. I think there is some of that going on. And Although I think we got a shift out of that. <laughs> yeah, I think it is shifting, to be honest. Like I'm I'm seeing it shifting where there are plenty of authors, especially indie authors, who are charging more for their books, who who are realizing it's okay to charge 
for their books, $9.99, some of them, you know what I mean? It just depends on on the book and the the genre and what they're trying to accomplish. And readers are willing to pay for it. They're starting to see, I think COVID actually helped with that a lot because they realized that without authors, without the entertainers, their life is pretty meaningless (laughs) when it comes to like day-to-day stuff. Like what do you do when you're locked at home and you are being driven nuts by your kids? Like what do you do literally? And so people were reading and people were watching shows. They were, I mean, TikTok came at the perfect time because everyone was stuck at home, (laughs) you know? And so it's like, people have realized there has been a shift. I've seen it where people are willing to pay more now Mm -hmm. for their their entertainment. They're understanding more why those books cost more. And there there is stuff going on there. Yes. And authors, they have to be willing to accept that for themselves too. So until they believe that their books are worth that, they won't charge more. And if they don't charge more, then they are kind of stuck in that energy of kind of feeling like, you know, why am I not getting paid as much as other people are getting paid when I know my books are are just as good as their books or feeling like, why am I not worthy enough of earning more than I am right now? Or feeling like, you know, that they can't do something that they feel inside they want to do. And so as we start to, to take a closer look at our choices, I would say our stories in our heads, what we blocked off. I think it was so weird. I was having a, a conversation with my husband this morning about how, like, as we come in as kids, what's the first thing that we did? Like as kids, we were, we were pretending, right. We had stories, we had Barbies, we had things that we do outside and play and we'd imagine, and we do all these creative things. And that's how we come into the world. We come in telling all these stories and all these creative ideas and having all these, these neat things. And then eventually the adults in our life start to veer us towards now, now you need to be practical. You know, you're not, you need to figure out how to do this thing. But we don't realize that we're coming in and everything around us, like our our needs were met when we were kids. I mean, yes, I understand the concept that you come in from your parents and they're supposed to take care of you, but you you come in and your needs are met. And so this can continue onward no matter where you go. Because when you think about it, you've never, I mean, you might've had moments where you're like, oh my God, this is like rock bottom. I'm going to die. This is like (laughs) the most terrible thing ever. But it didn't, you know, somehow, some way the money came. And that's why we get a story from that. (laughs) Yeah, somehow, some way you're here and things are okay. You're you survived mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you did not die. And and so we tell ourselves these stories. And it's like at a certain point, you have to tell yourself a different story. And that's yeah. literally the only shift that you have to do. As adults, we're telling ourselves stories all the time. They're just not serving us. Right. 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 So how much of it was a shift of like just my like so it's mindset and then work, right? So you have like we do have to have the right mindset because you do have to realize that your books are worthy of being pushed. Like, I think one of our biggest problems with marketing is probably every author will say, I can market my friend's book. No problem. I will push it. I will tell people they should buy it. I can't do that for my own. And that's mindset, right? That's like, absolutely. You have to believe in your product. And mm-hmm. we all struggle. With it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to. I think part of it is the fact that they think that they have to describe it in as much depth and detail as they know it. Yes. And you you have to like go. And the reason why it's easier to talk about your friends stuff is because you're not as closely tied to it. You can disconnect your emotions from it and be like, this is amazing. Here's why. And maybe it's not the most amazing book in the world, but it's pretty dang close. And so 
you're willing to just share it to the world and the, the rest of the readers can make their own minds up and they can decide for themselves what they want. But when it's your own and you're trying to go, this is the best book in the world and you're not quite sure it's the best book in the world, <laughs> but you think it's kind of close, but you're not quite sure, then it's like I, you, you get locked up and you stop and you don't do it because then it would be an attack on who you are or so we think, right. you know what I mean? You're, it's your creative baby. It's like, don't you dare talk about my creative baby that way. Yes. <laughs> so we get stuck. And and then it, it's all limiting beliefs um, that are getting in the way and, and making things difficult. So it's just, it's so weird. We manifestation really, I've done this talk a couple of times now too, for like my challenge and other places, but manifestation is literally as simple as yes, you have to have the idea. So you have whatever it is your goal is. So let's say it's, we'll make it simple. Let's say it's spaghetti. You want spaghetti tonight, right? So you go to the cupboard to look for spaghetti. You get all your ingredients together. That's the inspired action part of doing your spaghetti. You cook it, you do the works. Next thing you know, you're sitting down, you're eating spaghetti, right? Mm -hmm. What if though you go to the cupboard and you don't have spaghetti noodles or you don't have tomato sauce. Now, all of a sudden, there's limiting beliefs in the way of being able to have your spaghetti, right? So you have choices. You either give up your spaghetti altogether, like some authors will do with their books, or you go to the store and you get the stuff to make spaghetti. And then you come home and you make spaghetti. So right. it might require a couple of extra steps to do it, but you can still have your spaghetti at the end, or you could just choose to have taco salad instead, whatever. You know, you've got, you've got options. There's always those options, but a manifestation. So your books, your, your, marketing plan, whatever it is that you're trying to do, it's literally just have the, have the goal, decide what it is you want, hold the vibe, knowing you can do it, knowing that you can figure it out, knowing that the the correct steps are going to come to you, knowing how that everything that you need in order to make it happen is going to be there. And then taking the inspired action to get it done. And it's literally that easy. Right, right. Yeah. It's, we just get it. We just get ourselves like crazy in the head. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I think because we're creatives and we just, take things too creatively too far <laughs> we love a challenge we love a challenge I I don't know about you my husband and I were talking about this he, he writes stories as well and he was like I just don't want I don't want them to be easy I don't want it to be easy I want to I want to figure it out I want to be the guy that was like came up with the thing that was so crazy cool that people are like how did he do that you know and that's how we are we want we want to come up with that really crazy awesome idea that no one would have come up with before and you can do that you totally can do that but you have to be open and willing to receive it. That's true. That's a good point. I like this. So yeah, I, just for people who think that manifestation is like you, ex, you just sit in your corner and you expect it to just like happen. Like that's not, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. You have to be a match to the thing you want. So the way it works is that you have the, the desire, whatever it is, and you have to be a match for it coming. You know that the, the universe is going to give it to you no matter how, how or what it is you want. As long as you understand you can get it, mm -hmm. you can find a way to, to match it, to bring it to create it to um be open enough to a miracle happening however it's willing to come you just have to be open and willing to receiving it but if you start feeling like okay now i need to kind of i feel like i need to outline my book or i need to um create a facebook if you start getting like nudges towards something that is like your internal guidance system pointing you in the direction mm. of what you're supposed to do in order to make the thing you want to happen happen interesting I like this. So is the Millionaire Author Manifestation Course, which you can get on to, all the links will be in the show notes, but authorrevolution.org, you have kind of like a preliminary sign up, I'm interested thing there. Is that going to be mostly for writers? Only for writers? How is that going to work? Oh yeah, only for, only writers. for writers. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, this, 
I think there's enough manifestation courses out there. Maybe there isn't, but I would think that there probably is. But for me, because of where I'm at and how I, I, I guess I've grown, <laughs> I'm mostly interested in the author community at the moment. So this particular course, so Millionaire Author Manifestation, it's just going to be for mostly fiction authors, but I do have nonfiction authors who are in the group as well. So it just depends on what you're looking for. I mean, it really doesn't matter, but I do talk in there about the other aspects, the, the inspired action stuff being like, do you want to create a, an editorial calendar? Do you want to be able to rapid release? Do you want to be doing certain aspects that um, will help you to get to your goal? So in being open to those inspired actions that are coming. Mm. So there's a lot of different ways that it, it comes about, but it's, it's definitely going to be geared towards the author community in general. Yeah, I like that because then you kind of, you know, I mean, we learn from each other, right? So if you're in a group, you sort of like, I don't know what I should do. And then sometimes you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if it's How a clothing you sell, you're yeah. like, well, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> yep. So, yep. and so does this connect a little bit with your rapid release roadmap? Um, do you have to be a rapid releaser to, to get into this course? How, how do they sort of connect and, and diverge? Sure. There, I would say rapid release, like all of the courses that I've done prior to now, with the exception of the millionaire author challenge, which is also available. It's like a mini course. It's like four days. Um, people can get that on my website as well, but the the other courses are going to be more, I'm a double Virgo. I, I'm all about systems. So I, I do like the step-by-step process, teach you how to do it. I will hold your hand through the entire, the whole entire process of learning how to, to write, publish, promote your books, mm. plan your, your books as well. So if you're looking for the step-by-step guidance on how to do something, the prior courses, so things like um, indie publishing fundamentals or the story cure or um, record release roadmap, those are going to be very step-by-step oriented. If you want more mindset, if you want more um, getting into the manifestation stuff, Right Frame of Mind, I would say, is probably my first course where I, I delved into it. It was originally, that was the course I was trying to write um, way back in 2015. It was called Know Thyself back in the day, which was super weird. But um, it's evolved since then because I've I've included a lot of the author imposter archetypes Mm. and things like that, that people are struggling with when it comes to getting stuck in those limiting beliefs and not wanting to get out. So right frame of mind is probably closer related to the millionaire author coach stuff right now. And then the challenge and then the millionaire author manifestation course. I'm not quite sure when it's going to be available just yet. Literally, we just started this month creating it. And so I've got the outline going right now. The content is going up. I'm creating some of the sheets that are going to be downloadable for it. And videos are probably going to be recorded very soon, which I don't know how that's going to work with all the kids being home for summer, but we'll see how it goes. So my goal right now is is to hopefully get it um, ready to launch by end of summer is is kind of my thought process right now. And we'll see. But when it comes to to writing and, and whatnot, I would say the plan your series challenge and rapid release, those two go together best. Okay. So if you're trying to learn how to to write a series, the challenge will walk you straight through it and then go straight into rapid release if you want to be able to next level then that um, planning process. That's awesome. So you kind of have all sides of it for the authors. I think that's great. And in the meantime, I mean, everyone should go and listen to Author Revolution because that is really, and even like your backlist for a year, you're really sort of, I loved how you kind of slowly introduced us to it as we were listeners. (laughs) That You're like, listen (laughs) up, guys. It wasn't intentional, though. It was like, I'm just going to do this thing. Why not? We'll, we'll 
go there. It's funny because if you start in the back, you'll be like, oh, what is she talking about? Which is, I don't know. That's very interesting. That's so true. You know, that you go through it. <laughs> so if you want sort of like mindset and keep keep going with that, I mean, you have a, a huge backlist on the podcast to keep people busy through the summer, that's for sure. And then if you, I mean, the links will be in the show notes, authorrevolution.org. And then for your books, you it's carissaandrews.com. Correct. Okay. Yep. I was like, ee. okay. <laughs> oh, that is it. Yeah. Like, show notes, guys. Show notes. It will all be in the show notes. All right. Thank God for show notes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Carissa, for coming on. I've, I've had a great time and I'm so excited to see where you go next with this. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so thrilled that you asked me and I'm so glad to be here. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.